Welcome to the Wealth Standard Podcast with host Patrick Donahoe, author of the best-selling personal finance book, Heads I Win, Tales You Lose, and one of the nation's most influential financial advisors. The Wealth Standard's focus this season is investing. 2020 opened with markets and asset prices at all-time highs, but many of us experience more financial uncertainty now than we did a decade ago. Although there are more choices and opportunities than ever before, the risk-to-reward ratio teeters on a global fulcrum, contributing to the roller coaster of emotions surrounding financial well-being. It seems like everyone is walking on eggshells. This season, we'll cover topics revolving around investment theory and strategy, atypical investments versus conventional investments, and the role of investing within personal wealth strategies. The Wealth Standard Podcast is committed to inspiring you to be more financially free. There is no better time to gain clarity about your wealth strategy, your investments, and your financial future than now. This episode is sponsored by the new and improved Financial Independence Calculator found at thewealthstandard.com forward slash calculator. One of the driving forces of human beings is freedom, which infers financial freedom too. So several years ago, I set out to discover how any individual, regardless of their financial situation, could evaluate their finances in five minutes or less and have a firm date when they could achieve financial independence. The latest version of this calculator, which is free for listeners, can be found at thewealthstandard.com forward slash calculator. The calculator is going to take you just a few minutes to complete, and it's going to provide you with a specific financial independence date. So go check it out today. Life is a series of sensory experiences. Then you die. This statement sunk in this week at a pretty deep level. You know, time sneaks up on us. Our survival instincts make us believe that we're going to live forever. Then we get those momentary glimpses of our child's faces who are now more adult than they are kids. It's conversations with family members that are in their fourth quarter of life, or you hit marital milestones that are calculated in decades Instead of years, we can't get our time back and exchange it for the meaningful experiences we really want that was most likely taken up by the mundane work or or wasteful, meaningless activities. Now, you may not consciously link the fleetingness of time to wealth building and investing, but I want you to consider the possibility that there is almost a direct correlation. In my experience personally and with clients, urgency will breed complacency and impulsiveness when it comes to making financial decisions. Now, this urgency, it comes from the unconscious realization that you may not have enough money to retire or be financially free, that in order to have more money, you must invest. And investment requires risk. 
This urgency is, in my opinion, amplified by the unfathomable amount of information and perspective we are constantly bombarded with, which further limits our capacity to critically think. Now, to me, we're all in this tractor beam of stimuli. And without awareness and discipline, we have little control over filtering what is constantly fighting for our attention. I saw this report recently by Statista, which is a data analytics company, about what happens on the internet in just one minute. It totally blew my mind. Listen to some of these statistics. 200 million emails, 69 million messages on Facebook and WhatsApp, 2 million Tinder swipes, 5,000 hours of YouTube videos are uploaded, 695,000 people share a story on Instagram, 9,132 new connections are made on LinkedIn, and there's more, it's crazy. So how do you step out of this tractor beam to make wise financial decisions? Well, I'm gonna tell you a personal story to illustrate this. In 2006, I was introduced to an investment opportunity in a new oil and gas company. The principals had worked at one of the largest oil companies globally, and they were stationed all around the world, in the Middle East, parts of Texas, Oklahoma, and they stepped down to form their own company and were raising money to acquire these unproductive, inefficient oil and gas operations in Texas. So I ended up investing almost everything I had initially. I was very compelled by these guys, but I didn't understand successful business operations, let alone of an oil and gas company. I didn't know even what the word assay meant. I couldn't begin to understand what an assay report was or the legalities of mineral rights or contract law or the fact that the investment I was putting money into was debt and not tied to any underlying asset. But I invested anyway. Leading up to 2008, the craziness of 2008, I was getting cash flow every month. I felt like this was a wise investment, that I was a good investor. So I decided to invest even more. I actually borrowed money to do it. This is when cash flow stopped. Uh, It was devastating. I won't go into that. I tell the story in the book. But after the initial emotional meltdown From 2008 to 2011, I went on this witch hunt to figure out what the F happened. I learned a ton. I learned about business operations and the cost of lousy operations. And the example is the discovery of this oil field operator coincidentally having ownership in a trucking company that was transporting the oil. And apparently they thought it was okay to charge five times the going rate to this specific operation. I also learned from the assay reports and the financial reports that the interest that was being charged on these promissory notes would inevitably result in ongoing negative cash flow. (laughs) You know, there was a dozen other discoveries. I'm not going to get into it, but I'm going to segue into the lessons and apply it to your investment experience. First, one of the biggest skills of an investor is knowing how to think critically, which to me, is an inhibitor to impulsive response and irrational behavior when it comes to making financial decisions. Why? 
because all investments originate from a hypothesis, a perspective. If the hypothesis is simply just an interpretation by an inherently fallible person who won't tell you that they're fallible, right? They'll highlight all the things they're good at. The lesson is evaluate the team that will actually execute the investment. Are they green? If so, if you don't understand business fundamentals or the industry that you're investing in at an operational level, at least stay out. You don't have business there. It's a huge risk. The principals in this specific investment, I trusted them and that's why I invested for obvious reasons. They were specialists in their respective careers and successful specialists, but they didn't possess the adequate business acumen to make investment successful on a business scale. If they did, there were so many red flags that I was able to find as a neophyte that they would have found out if they knew how to do proper due diligence. I'd also say that private investments like this one don't have the level of regulation that a publicly traded investment has. And that's why there's greater upside, but also it carries a huge amount of risk because of the downside. Now, I would say there's still risk in publicly traded investments, but what minimizes that risk is the regulatory criteria that comes with severe consequences if it's not met. So there's a high degree of built-in accountability with publicly traded investments. Now, in order for someone to be successful in that arena, they have to consistently meet this criteria, which includes accounting, legal, business operations, executive levels, managers, hiring, et cetera which adds to the expense, which is why dividend returns on publicly traded companies in the oil and gas industry like Exxon or Schlumberger are typically always in the single digits. Okay, next lesson. Next lesson is know your asset allocation based on risk and control. That was another error where I invested way more than I should have given the amount of money I had at the time. Now, this is one of the reasons I came up with the hierarchy of wealth. I wrote about this extensively in Heads I Win, Tails You Lose, which is the book I came out with a couple years ago that tells you more about the theory behind it. But the hierarchy of wealth has four tiers, right? It'll help you easily look at your asset allocation so that you know what is the appropriate amount to invest in these higher risk assets. Hey, taking a break from the show, don't forget that as a podcast listener, you get free access to the financial independence calculator at thewealthstandard.com forward slash calculator. You see, when asked a simple question, what are you ultimately trying to achieve financially? 99% of respondents say, I want to retire someday. I was shocked a few years ago when I learned two statistics. Number one, how few people actually saved anything for retirement. And number two, of those that did save, less than 20% would ever successfully save enough and not have to keep on working. I couldn't believe it. I then realized that what people really want isn't retirement, but financial freedom and ultimately a reasonable way to get there. That's why I designed the Financial Independence Calculator. You can get access by going to thewealthstandard.com forward slash calculator. Now back to the show. Okay, now what do you do with today's lesson? First, I would say we have a free calculator for the hierarchy of wealth. You can input it really easily, input your assets into it really easily and get that on the show notes at thewealthstandard.com. 
the idea behind the hierarchy of wealth is to go in a sequence of priority. You build your tier one capital, which is your foundational capital, your reserves, your sleep well at night account. And you do this before investing in anything else. Next, instead of investing outside of you, you invest in yourself. You figure out how to earn more money by being more valuable in the marketplace. Next, as you go through this hierarchy, you invest in what I would say more safe assets that have good returns, individual rental properties that have at least 20% equity and a at least a 0.8% rent to value ratio. I talk about that in the book as well. Then when you get to that point, okay, invest in what you understand. My brother came to me a few months ago and great example. He would go through his hierarchy of wealth. He was ready to invest maybe with more risk to get better upside. And we had a conversation about his expertise, which is mergers and acquisitions, especially in the healthcare industry. And he knew it frontwards and backwards. And so understanding the financials, the business plan, the team involved, he'd be able to go in and do due diligence on a very high level. So it's investing in those areas, companies, it could be a REIT in the healthcare space, real estate investment trust, something that he was familiar with, that he can take his knowledge and expertise and do the proper due diligence to figure out if it's the best place to put his money. It'll mitigate risk. Now, there's other examples I have in the book of being able to invest in areas that you understand. And the book you can get for free on the website in PDF format, thewellstandard.com, and just go to resources and the book link should be there. Next thing to do is, you know, sharing is caring. Share this information. Teach somebody else what you guys learn. It's one of the best ways to kind of lock in the understanding so that the next time you are faced with the financial decision, specifically in the arena of making an investment, okay, you will remember this experience. Chances are, if you don't teach somebody in two weeks, three weeks, the information will be gone. All right, so let's summarize this week's episode. First, all investment is a hypothesis by people. Therefore, it inherently is susceptible to flaw, fallibility. That requires due diligence. Learn to judge your judgments when investing because you instinctually will make a judgment unconsciously and look straight to the rate of return and the opportunity to build wealth. And you also associate decisions with the character, the charisma of the person in charge and make a judgment about their level of competency without going beneath the surface, which is that big lesson that I learned. And it was a hard and painful lesson. One, I hope you don't have to experience. Finally, another thing you guys can do is there's a live demo that I'm doing with the financial independence calculator, as well as the hierarchy of wealth. This is going to happen in 2021, September 10th. If you already have the financial independence calculator, the hierarchy of wealth calculator, then you will receive an email. If you don't have it, you can go to thewealthstandard.com forward slash calculator. And there you will be given the opportunity to register for this live demo that I'm going to do. So again, September 10th in 2021, not sure of the time yet, but it'll most likely be in the afternoon. Guys, thank you for listening this week. Appreciate the support. Hope you learned something and Stick with me for the coming episodes. You're not going to want to miss them. Until then, take care. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Standard Podcast. Be sure to visit the show's official website, thewealthstandard.com. 
for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Guest opinions are their own. If you require specific investing, financial, legal, tax, or any other specialized advice, please consult an appropriate professional. We welcome and appreciate reviews of the show. Head on over to iTunes or Stitcher to leave your review. And don't forget to subscribe to the show to get access to every new episode and exclusive interviews this season. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Oh,